Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. The show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desks. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at aspirus.co, A-S-P-I-R-U-S dot C-O, and linkshus.com, where you can sell your products everywhere. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Bernard. How are you doing? Very well, very well. Thank you. How are you? I am well. And you're based in Shanghai, right? At this moment, yes. Team is actually in Beijing. I'm just Shanghai on business at the moment. And I'm talking to Andrew Shaw, CEO and co-founder of Grata.co. And it's a very interesting company because it has something to do with two things. One is actually WeChat and the other one was with Facebook messaging app. Andrew, before we start, I want to get to know you better. How did you get started in your career? This is my third venture in China. I was already in China. I was just kind of curious about figuring out China and met my co-founder quite early on. We decided to start a company together actually on the first day we met. Did some due diligence after that, but realized we kind of had a shared passion for a lot of different things. We were the co-founders through all three of those companies. This particular venture with messaging and WeChat, I think was just, you just knew the signals were so strong on what WeChat was doing that we had to be in this space. That was quite clear for us. So what actually made you move from the US to China? I studied three years of, of Chinese in college and you know I tried to get over here while I was in college uh, for a summer internship, but that was in 2003 and that was the summer of SARS. So actually my internship got, got moved to the Philippines, which was also beautiful. But by the time I graduated, I, I had spent a lot of time studying China and Chinese, but hadn't been here yet. So I just kind of made the decision to go ahead and move here after I graduated from, from college. And I went to kind of middle of nowhere, central China, one foreigner town, just to, to have that authentic experience. And while I was there in 2004 and five, everything was about Beijing. 2008, it's the only year you heard then. Uh, everyone was looking forward to the Olympics. And so I knew Beijing was the place to be. And so I moved up there after my first year in, in central China. You have started three companies in China when you were there. Can you briefly talk about them? And basically, tell me a little bit about your experience living in China, because it's a pretty close system with the Great Firewall of China, of course. Yeah, so all three of our ventures have been pretty pretty tied together. Like their origin stories are all overlapped. And what we initially had a passion for doing was uh, location-based services and, and maps, which again, this is like 2005 and six. So this is a WAP internet era, very low bandwidth operations. So we built SMS, a query and response engine, a WAP gateway for looking up ven venues. We had the first online English maps for Beijing. Just kind of playing in that space, no serious business model of any kind. We were really, really fresh and young and learning our ways. But as we started getting closer to the Beijing Olympics, we started realizing, okay, if we can't make money off of the Beijing Olympics, we're idiots. And so we went back to kind of this idea log we had been keeping of what to do with our cheap assets, which at that time we had kind of accumulated a best-in-class Chinese-English database of Beijing venues. So we said, okay, who's going to actually pay for this? And that's when we founded our second company, Guest Ops. It was built on the assets of the previous company, which was nowhere near making money still. So we, we I started walking into five-star hotels, started with the, the best names we knew first. I printed out a PPT of three different products that we thought hotels might like. And we ended up getting the Ritz-Carlton and the Hilton to, to sign a contract basically in that first meeting on, and they both picked the same product, thank God. Um, so I walked out of the lobby of the hotel the first time we sold it and I called my co-founder Ellis and said, hey, we're building number two. So that was uh, really when I look back, that was the leanest we ever operated and probably the most efficient. And when we came back 30 days later and that's still running. So we got great clients across all the major international hotel brands in several cities in China. And you know, after we got that stable and running, we kind of thought, you know, what's the next opportunity with mobile for particularly with all these great hospitality clients? What could we do with, with them? And we started talking to them and we said, look, 
you know, this is about 2012, and WeChat was really starting to take off as a peer-to-peer communication tool. And so what does this look like as a B2C tool? What if you could talk to businesses with this? And this was before official accounts were a thing, before there was an open platform on WeChat. So we actually cloned kind of a, a, a version of WeChat that you could check into a business and talk to a business before this, this open platform was there. And so we, we started working on this quite early, but we're having trouble with app downloads. It was very hard, a lot of friction. So when WeChat came out with the open platform in October of 2013, we said, okay, this is it. This actually now makes sense. We're much more aligned with the brand goals of driving followers on their WeChat accounts instead of driving app downloads for our company. And that's when we started to get some traction on Grata when we could just get a QR code scan to follow the brand account and then talk to the brand. And we already had all these resources we've been building on the console. So that's when things started to click for us. After the third try, you got to Grata.co. So you talk about the story behind how you started Grata.co. So maybe tell me, what's the problem that your company is trying to solve for brands? I think it's more of an opportunity. What we like when we kind of whiteboarded out the opportunity we were looking at, I think we were pretty early and, and with the help of some of our investors of seeing the opportunity with messaging and, and that this was a this was kind of a generational shift in consumer behaviors and user behaviors. And we said, look, you know, the, the next generation of customers for these brands they're not going to pick up the phone to, to call a business. We saw that kind of that writing on the wall and we saw the upgrade in the experience for both the consumer and the business. The consumer being when I have an asynchronous conversation, I never have to wait on hold. I can kind of push to talk or text what I need from a business and then put the phone down like that. That's a huge shift in the beginning. But also the brand that's talking to me has all this context. And I don't have to repeat myself. They can see my past conversation history. They know who I talk to. They know who I am. They have my profile. Maybe they even know exactly where my location is for hospitality. That's hugely relevant. When I say, hey, you know, I'm just in a meeting now. Can you recommend a place to get a cocktail nearby me and and talk to the concierge like that? That conversation would never take place over the phone because there's so much friction to start a phone call, to get connected to the concierge, to explain to them where I am. I'm traveling. I don't even know where I am. Like all of that friction we saw dissolving with the smartphone with messaging with WeChat in particular. So it was really like an opportunity for a step change in consumer experience and business experience at the same time. Grana is that layer that actually helped the brands that actually communicate with the customers. So how does the customer of Grana gets to do that with a WeChat user? Right. So we don't really exist for the customer. We're a B2B product and the customer's experience is, is all within WeChat. They basically, they follow brands they have affinity with, just like you would follow a Facebook page. But the focus is you're in a messaging app. So what can I do to talk to a brand? And our clients span the, the gamut from automotive, to hospitality, to travel, a lot of outbound travel, retail. Anyone that has a customer service burden or opportunity is what we tend to see the alignment of the brand with. They're doing this in WeChat and maybe they're doing it in phone and email as well, but they want to do it more in WeChat. So they're helping to drive the consumer to talk to them through WeChat. And again, that's just it's just like talking to a friend within WeChat to the consumer. They don't know Grata's there. It's a pretty natural experience. When the consumer that's talking to the brand on WeChat, so does Grata just help them to basically answer customer inquiries or maybe doing much more yeah, than it? I think the chief value we, we provide, and it tends to skew more towards larger enterprises where there's a complexity and maybe we're working with a couple different central customer care call centers. We've got distributed agents at different property level. So we're working with them on on the routing to optimize routing. We're optimizing the escalation. How do we make sure consumer never gets, their conversation never gets dropped? And what kind of content do those agents need to participate in those conversations? And that's again, one of the big upgrades over a phone call is I can just from our console, I can just drag and drop a map onto your phone. I can drag and drop our stored FAQ content, stored text, stored images, stored audio, 
all of those are possible through a digital channel like WeChat. And so that's, those are kind of the pain points that we're solving for the brand. So you can literally have like customer services for the brand to actually use Grata and basically if this particular query, they can actually drag and drop information for the customers very quickly. Yeah, a lot of it is that is that content. How do we put the best answers available in that enterprise at the fingertips of the agents that are actually participating in those conversations? And Grata.co actually operate in WeChat. How does it operate in WeChat as a app or via an official account feature? So uh, we have like a, a desktop console where most of like our call center agents that are going to be doing this on like a 24 seven support they're going to be on a desktop console and that's through our, our web console then plugs into wechat's interface their api interface and the open platform for the mobile agents like a salesperson in a dealership or the concierge who's running around the hotel they're going to be using wechat as well but they're going to be in the enterprise account infrastructure the enterprise accounts were created to be internal communication tools and we actually can deploy apps of our console within those enterprise accounts to allow the enterprise to be able to transfer live conversations throughout their staff to anyone, anywhere, desktop or mobile. We talk a lot about WeChat along the way. And I think this conversation we wanted to talk about is actually WeChat and the growth hacking in China using WeChat. Just to start off, you want to give an introduction to WeChat, the messaging app, and why is this such an important platform for corporations to startups? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope we're, we're fast approaching the day when we don't have to give an introduction to WeChat for, for like your audience. I think, I think most people are getting savvy on the existence of WeChat. Maybe I can focus particularly on its importance to corporations. I like to think of this, and this is, I guess, some of the, some of us kind of the sales talk I would give the brand when we're selling into them is that generation one of brand behavior on WeChat has been about the basics of building a follower database. Clients have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, upwards, uh, several millions of, of account followers. And, and they've been focused a lot on the outbound kind of the broadcast messaging elements of WeChat, which is great. This is kind of the first generation behavior is what we would see going forward is it's more about the utility you provide, the service you can provide your customers within WeChat. And that's where you're really getting better engagement. And so so a lot of the brands right now have built up a great follower database, but they're struggling with how to solve engagement. And WeChat is a great tool to have a very lightweight app-like experience in the same ecosystem that the consumer is spending all of their behavior. And that's what's so important is that WeChat is an extremely sticky app and especially for the Chinese user, they're in there all day long throughout the day. And so the, the kind of the subtle notifications and the engagement you get within WeChat is, is not really, there's no real close second to that in, in a lot of other apps in, in different regions throughout the world. Like WeChat really, I think, owns that space of, of engagement. And we see that kind of with Facebook. But in, in China, you need, it's like having a website, you know, in, I don't know, in the late 90s. Like it was, you know, a requirement. It's a requirement to have a WeChat official account in China as a business. So if you're any foreign visitor deciding they're going to live a few months in China, you better have a WeChat app. Is that how I understand it? Absolutely. Anyone that comes over here on like a week-long business trip, they need to install WeChat. This is how you're going to create a durable contact with your business contacts. It's perfectly acceptable in the first meeting to exchange WeChat contacts. Again, that's maybe one of the unique elements we can bring up too, is that it's both business and social. I'm normally going to have access into your, your social feed, your, your, you know, the moments that you share in WeChat. And so I actually get to know you better as a person. You can obviously block that on privacy settings but it kind of you default to share that and i think that helps you create those kind of contacts and create more deeper level kind of connections with your with your followers this is how business is done this is how social is done in china and i know that in china you have to you can book a 
hairdresser through WeChat. You can, you know, buy something from WeChat. You can even process court orders now through WeChat. It pervades across the life. I was reading something that's very interesting on the Gradus blog because you translated Tencent tax report on WeChat's impact. And a couple of interesting data points came out. One of them was like 55.2% of the users open WeChat more than 10 times a day and they consume about 15.3 billion US dollars worth of mobile data. And about 53% mm-hmm. of the organizations allocate to upgrade and maintain their WeChat official account. So it's very pervasive. How does the WeChat platform actually work for startups in China? I think the best use cases you see for startups is... I mean, I guess kind of the same as our company story. Like we saw all this friction from getting app downloads and then we moved our entire platform over to the official account space. And that's when we started to get traction. It's about removing that friction for customer acquisition and activation for users. And that's the biggest thing for startups, right? Like you really, your number one goal as an early startup is to test your idea. And that's what WeChat really helps. And again, you don't see this in a lot of other regions. I mean, Facebook and WhatsApp are close to this as far as you can basically assume that any potential user of your service as a startup is going to have WeChat already on their phone in China, right? So that's a huge amount of friction already removed from the equation. And all you're doing is saying, hey, follow my account by scanning this QR code, which is just a a natural action for a Chinese smartphone user is to scan a QR code if they have any affinity to your brand or your, your, your value proposition, right? So instead of going and building an app on iOS and Android and, I don't know, Windows Phone, whatever. You can build one official account app-like experience, and WeChat works on every major smartphone platform already. So you've built an HTML5 app experience that exists within WeChat, and all that friction is gone. You're much faster to market, and you're already testing that idea. And if you can't get traction and engagement on WeChat with your idea you probably need to rethink your idea and you haven't wasted all that time building out multiple platforms of apps in the meantime. It's fantastic for startups. And usually I, I mentor for, for a lot of startups and usually I will challenge them to, you know, if you can't be successful on WeChat, use that time to keep, you know, pivoting until you find what, what actually works. And that is the fastest way to do that. WeChat is owned by Tencent. So probably they have their own APIs for developers and startups to actually leverage on to build their apps on top of it. Is it very similar to how, like, for example, Facebook and Twitter where they have developer evangelists who could help you when you have problems or do you just go to their website and just access their APIs and then try to build something? Are there any like kind of rules or do or do nots that developers don't do on WeChat platform? I'd say it's not like Facebook and Twitter in the fact that, I mean, I've never seen so much functionality turned into this open platform. And even like a lot of the tools that they open up for developers are more advanced than what they have on their own platform. Like the, the most advanced behaviors that you can you can do as an official account are only available to you as developer features. They haven't even made, you know, backend features of these for the basic, uh, the, the default WeChat backend for your official account. Like they've really opened up everything. Like every single feature that WeChat releases is opened up on the API and it's often in a more advanced way. It allows you to manipulate things in a more advanced way than, than the stock backend. But the support there is pretty lacking. Like the documentation is very good. It's all in Chinese. Some of it is available in English. I know some of the contacts at WeChat have said they're working on this right now to, to go through all that documentation and update it and maintain it better in English. But right now it's all in Chinese. And I think where a lot of the developers, at least English speaking, go for support is just WeChat groups. There's a lot of like very large WeChat chat groups of people developing and doing business on WeChat. And they're good kind of support networks for people that get stuck on a certain feature. So are there any like equivalent 
equivalent of F8 conferences or Twitter flex schools for the developer, like the similar. Yeah, yeah, no, no, WeChat does does a good a job supporting that ecosystem with with conferences and by constant updates. I mean, they make updates almost weekly to the APIs that really bring some rich functionality. It's just that you're you're kind of like your customer service support. I think is sometimes lacking. There are some online forums, and again, the, the support in Chinese language is, is much better than the English language support. Um, that's to be expected. Are there any interesting services that emerge from WeChat as a whole? It, it's so broad. I mean, there's there's a, a plethora of articles you can find online about just how expansive and broad WeChat is in, in what you can do. It really is almost limitless. I think the most interesting things to understand as a as an outsider is how much pain. WeChat has solved for the average Chinese consumer, and and a couple of the major pain points. If you talk to any any Chinese person of the last couple of decades, was going to a bank or going to a hospital. These were two of the worst experiences as a consumer. You're going to have to take a number at either place, and you're going to wait hours, and you're going to need to go there for all kinds of things that you wish you could do online. And WeChat solved a lot of that. They allow you to book appointments with a doctor in WeChat. Which was never possible in any online capacity whatsoever. They allow you to do all kinds of peer-to-peer and B2C payments that were never possible in any capacity. So, like those two things in particular, like huge, huge, huge gain for the average Chinese consumer, and then I, everything in between. I'm very curious because I have been trying to look at getting a WeChat official account, and this is probably one of those interesting things a lot of people don't know about. How does an overseas brand, say for example, like FT, get an official account on WeChat from Tencent? And also, you would also be good to talk a little bit about what official accounts are. This is kind of where where WeChat starts to get a bit a bit more Byzantine in its in its setup. The official account platform it's divided into Chinese official accounts and international official accounts. Chinese official accounts are available to all users, meaning both Chinese WeChat users and all international WeChat users, because they exist in Chinese servers and go through a certain level of censorship. International official accounts exist outside of China and do not have that kind of censorship. So, because of that, they are not visible to Chinese WeChat users. This creates a lot of a lot of pain for us. With uh, with inbound international leads, it's not easy to get an international account, and it's not very valuable if you're getting it to access the Chinese WeChat user base. We're starting to see some movement there. What they're starting to let happen is, as a Chinese entity, we're allowed to register accounts for international companies because we're maintaining and running them, and that's what you want as an international company. You want a Chinese official account because most likely you're getting on WeChat to access the Chinese user base, and then you need to make decisions on what type of official account to get. There's kind of two main external official accounts, meaning to the consumer. Those are subscription and service accounts. You most likely nine out of ten times, or, or more even than that, you want a service account. Service accounts have all of the advanced functionality. They have the most, the higher open rates. The outbound messaging. You can do payments. You can do the the customer service one to one messaging. That's a service account. They're they what they just announced recently is they're coming out with an app account as well. That's going to give you some more advanced functionality to deploy an HTML5 app within your WeChat official account space. And then you have quite new the internal accounts, the enterprise accounts, which are for internal communications within an enterprise. And we're starting to see more connectivity between those internal enterprise accounts and the external service accounts, so we can connect those customer service conversations into the enterprise. Yeah, I have that experience that actually trying to get an official account from WeChat from Singapore, and it was a lot of forms to fill up, and actually you need to have a social security number or an equivalent incorporation number of your company in order to get access. 
Is it the same? Yeah, and it, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to make this sound easy to any of your listeners. And I mean, Singapore and Malaysia actually have a decent user base of local users, and they kind of have their own support. If you apply like from the U.S., you're not going to get anything. Really, only first tier brands, major names, are going to get support from WeChat, just because it's not a huge priority for them. They're still trying to grow their followers and their and their consumers before they really focus on businesses. So, if you're a large corporation. It is worth it for you to to seek out a Chinese official account and to do that and to and to do that. Yeah, you've got a lot of forms to fill out. But if you have a Chinese business entity, I think it's quite straightforward. I mean, it's it's documents you already have, and you're just going to go through the steps, and you're going to get an official account in a few business days if you're in China. If you have a Chinese business entity, there's this question about content marketing. One of the things I really like about WeChat is the way it distributes news. So I actually subscribe to a couple of news, for example, FT, Neonan, and all the other official content websites because I wanted to understand a little bit about content marketing in on social、mm-hmm. media in China. So I I know you're you're kind of the expert in this. How do you know when content marketing in social media within China is actually successful? And are there any interesting Use case that you can share. I know you give lectures on this in China Accelerator, so it may be good to share a little bit of experience on that. Honestly, I don't. I don't sell myself as an expert in content marketing. I think、yeah. the the episode I I highlight for the China Accelerator classes is just to tell them. What a content marketing machine WeChat can be when you have good content. So we we tell the story in those classes of the first article we shared on WeChat, which is you know again we our focus is customer service, so we were kind of late to the game of even experimenting with content marketing, and we had these official accounts that we were using really just to test our own setup and our console. And so we came across this stack of Tencent data that you that you mentioned. I came across it online. I realized it was only available in Chinese, and no one had translated it yet. So I actually took my own time as as CEO to get this translated as fast as possible, and then we sent it out on WeChat, and it just took off. And we had, I think, like I don't know, maybe like a hundred something followers on our WeChat official account. We weren't even trying to grow our own followers. And we got something like sixty five hundred shares off this article, something like sixty five thousand views in the first two days. Which that same content in our Facebook page and our Twitter followers that we've been sharing, we you know we've been working on those channels for for years, just sharing content. You know that got a, a you know fifty, sixty, hundred views maybe on those channels. We got sixty five thousand views. We got like three thousand followers of our official account overnight, like really in forty eight hours. It just took off, and that's kind of peculiar to WeChat in that that share ratio, that volume of sharing, is huge. And if you look at the standard equation for calculating the virality of content, the number of shares is a geometric accelerant, but the viral cycle time, the amount of time it takes. For one person to share and then their second network to share, that amount of time is an exponential accelerant. So that's where WeChat, when you quoted that figure of 55 point, I think two percent of WeChat followers open the app more than 10 times a day. You have also like 10 percent opening it more than 50 times a day. You're always seeing that update of the social shares within WeChat. And so when you have a content that resonates with an audience, it just spreads like wildfire. And you see the first 24 to 48 hours of, of, of viral content. Just goes huge, and it's not about the quantity of content you share; it's about the quality. And when you have quality content in WeChat,、uh, I don't, I haven't seen any other platform spread that better than WeChat. And what are kind of the important tips to actually try to grow hack on WeChat? Or I guess what are the do's and do nots when it comes to thinking about growth hacking with WeChat? You talk about quality of content as one. Are there any yeah, other? Yeah, that is the number one. I think you see, this is where you see so many companies get it wrong too. They treat it like Twitter, or they treat it like Facebook, I guess. Where it's you know they try and they they want to either have like a, a daily post, or they just want to share stuff that's that's maybe not relevant to their follower base. And and you have to understand that WeChat, when you send out an article as a, as a service account in WeChat, it it is like a message from your friend. It's that intimate. 
which means you have to be that much more careful in what you're sending out to your followers. So we always tell, especially startups when we're with them, is you don't want to have like a time-based content strategy where you're sharing something every week necessarily. You want to say, when do we have, when, when do we come across content that we know resonates with our follower database? And that's only when we share. And that's when you'll get these huge spikes in your followers, huge spikes in your engagement and your page views. It's when you share quality content. I mean, a, a lot of people probably better than I can speak to growth hacking because really what we do is after you've kind of hacked that growth, after you've gotten that follower database, how do you provide utility? And that's where we come up with customer service. You know, what we tell brands is, is make make WeChat, you know, your standard contact, wherever you have your phone number as a business, you should have your QR code. It should be on all your business cards for all of your staff. It should be, you know, in all your communication, you should have your QR code and have a call to action associated with that. So they, so a user knows why they would scan and follow your account. What can they do in that account? How responsive are you if they message your business in that account? Those are the kind of tips that we give our clients. Other than that, it's, it's kind of up to can you can you play with with unique content that, that people find valuable enough to share growing followers is just a normal process basically you just have to think about how to get people to, to discover you do do you use wechat's advertising system or do you just kind of figure a way to actually distribute through other pages or through other people sharing your official account page yeah we've gotten 90 percent of our followers through just good content marketing we kind of bet that article that i cited our first article like we became a brand overnight in china based on that article now again that was english language content shared on a chinese language platform I couldn't stress enough how valuable content marketing is in wechat for everything and then you know the the other 10 percent we picked up is probably just people we interact with qr code on our websites on our business cards but yeah the vast majority is just good content marketing the interesting thing is that wechat is opening the path of how you can build apps on the messaging platform or even services content marketing across mm -hmm. a, a platform now given that now facebook messenger is cloning wechat in a certain way for the u.s market would it be possible to actually for you to take that same experience and port all your services from grata to the u.s market in the same way what i'm asking is that is it in general that if you are able to be very successful in china with wechat actually doing the same by pushing it across to the other messaging apps becomes obvious. Yeah, and, and, and that's been our strategy all along, actually. Our, our strategy all along is that, hey, you know, we're an international team that, that happens to be based in China. We're learning from WeChat, which is at the forefront of this space. You know, we, we kind of told the story all along, this behavior is going to be fast followed across the rest of the world. With Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp both saying they're going to start supporting business accounts and more of a platform, they pretty much cover the rest of the world outside of China where Facebook is blocked. I think we were actually, we kind of pitched this all along that we would port these lessons to other platforms, but there is just so much for us to do on WeChat here that I'm kind of hesitant to divert too much of, too many of our resources to getting on Messenger too quickly. There's, I mean, every week, again, there, there are updates to the API that make such powerful behaviors that we need to be supporting here. And and, and some of it is, is still waiting on Messenger. The, their Messenger for Business API is still in closed beta. I know they're going very slowly with that. Only you know a couple dozen clients are on that so far, and there's still some issues they need to work out before they open that up more broadly. But that is going to be a very successful global channel and something that WeChat doesn't have, that kind of global coverage. So we are, we are excited about that. And I guess it's funny because all, almost all the US coverage on WeChat is talking about how to bring your services from all over the world into China. But I guess there's also this reverse osmosis where you can actually take what you learn from WeChat out to the world because they are going to have all these messaging apps coming along. Moving forward, if the messaging apps are fragmented across the different parts of the world with things like Telegram in Europe, Line in certain mm -hmm. parts of Asia and Kakaotalk in also certain parts of the world, is messaging bots the new apps for mobile users? 
Do you see the the app world is going to disappear and everything is just going to be stuck within these chat platforms? I don't think it disappears. I mean, where you, where you see kind of a hybrid of this in WeChat is that, again, it goes back to user acquisition that before I download your app, I probably followed your official account. And maybe I've now like logged into kind of an app-like experience in the official account. And then only when I get that value and kind of validated that with your brand, do I then take the next step and I download your app, which maybe has a couple more features that I can do better natively if I have enough affinity with your brand. I think that's going to be there. And, and, and I think Messenger is doing a great job of deploying apps within Messenger. I don't see it as uniquely a bot. I don't, I don't know if like the, the regional fragmentation is, is a huge signal to me that bots are going to be important. I do think a level of AI, a level of bots is going to be important for our side of it as far as customer service. And those are pretty exciting. And Telegram is, is definitely at the forefront of the bot space. I know Kick is getting to that as well. I mean, for us, we look at regional fragmentation as, as the best kind of opportunity for us because we want to go to brands and say, look, you guys are at an international company. You have clients coming from Japan where they're using Line, from Korea where they're using Kakao, from anywhere else using you know WhatsApp or Messenger. And when they come to China, they're only using WeChat. And we're trying to help kind of dissolve that friction from having different messaging platforms so the brand doesn't care what, what platform you're on, they can service you anywhere. So, um, and that I, ecosystem is going to exist soon. So would I be right to say that Grata is something like a hoot suite or a buffer where you obviously start off from WeChat, but you can actually scale this across different messaging apps as it goes along when they have opened the same kind of APIs, the same kind of access to the customers itself. Right. And that's what we've been building from the beginning is, is we've kind of built all of our features and these kind of these bi-directional APIs so we can just plug in different channels like WeChat on top of it when they're ready. So yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that. I, I still think we've got a little ways to go, but there's obviously a lot of energy and excitement around messaging yeah, in, in new markets now. It's a good space to be in. Before I actually ask you the last question, I wanted to ask you, I know that uh, Grata is also invested by 500 startups. Would you want to talk a little bit more a little bit about your company or any other interesting facts that we do not know yet? Yeah, so we took an investment from 500 startups and from several investors, all, all kind of in the Silicon Valley area that saw, they, they were guys that aligned with our vision for messaging being the next big platform. And we actually, you know, we did uh, one of the batches with 500 startups in Mountain View towards the end of 2013 and early 2014. During, while we were there, Facebook acquired WhatsApp. That was kind of a, a shift change in how people understood messaging. I think it did a long way to getting people excited about that in the North American market. We would still see in our time there that we needed to come back to China and really focus here because really WeChat and the, and the Chinese market is, is so far ahead on how deep messaging has penetrated so many different industries and consumer behaviors. Yeah, uh, again, we're an international company, but China's the place to be for messaging right now. So Andrew, help my audience. How do they find you? The best thing to do is probably for an international audience is to follow us on Twitter. We share a lot about the messaging space, not just WeChat, but you know, based on this podcast, we're kind of watching you know all the different platforms, AI, bots, those kind of things. If you're interested in that, you can follow us on Twitter. We're grata underscore co. Otherwise, if you're savvy on WeChat, I think you're going to put up a, a QR code for us maybe and they can follow us on WeChat. Yep. If you can give me the WeChat account, I can definitely put it into the show notes for you too. Very good. Yeah, it's the same as our Twitter handle, uh, Grata underscore CO. Okay. And you can find me at bleongcw or at bernardleong.com. Or you can also find me on WeChat too at bleongcw. So subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, A-N-A-L-Y-S-E Asia. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and ACAST. And of course, anytime tweet to us for feedback or in some sense, if I can figure out how to start an official page in WeChat, we can, I can talk to my Chinese <laughs> audience there. So once again, Andrew, <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, Bernard. That was fun.